The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Today is a very special day. It's called Orphan Sunday or Stand Sunday. And, and since 2002, uh, there have been churches all around the world who have been united with one voice on one day with one purpose for vulnerable children and orphans. With over 400,000 children in the U.S. foster system and 15 million worldwide who've lost both parents, thousands of churches will echo a united message across more than 123 nations on Orphan Sunday 2021. Spanning languages, cultures, and time zones, today Christians worldwide will celebrate God's special love for orphaned and vulnerable children. And what ordinary people can do to put that love into action. And today, we, Summit Church, join with those churches as we uh, celebrate this day and we stand to defend, to care, and support abused, abandoned, and neglected children in our community. It's a special day here that we get to have and that we get to celebrate. As we say, there's this dark epidemic going on in our world and going on in our our culture and in our country and even in our state and right here in our own county. And, And we want to come together as the church, as churches worldwide, and say, we want to help. We want to do what we can. I want to introduce you to a guy named Oscar. Oscar was a student at Oklahoma State University from Nigeria, and uh, he, he flunked out at, at Oklahoma State, and, and so he was remediated to their, their, another school they have there for students that don't quite make it at school, and, and, and he didn't understand the language barrier. There were so many things that were, he was struggling with, and so, so Oscar then flunked out at that school and was then sent to OCCC to, to, to try to get back on track on his student visa. And, and when my cousin called from Stillwater to see if, to let us know about Oscar, but just to see if Charlotte and I could check on him and, and maybe go get him on Sundays and bring him to church, he was alone, he was scared, his parents were halfway around the world, his student visa had expired, he lived alone in his apartment, and he was oblivious to how things worked in the U.S. He was like many young people and children that we encounter he, he wasn't what you would call a typical orphan, but he was someone that was, at that moment, parentless, at that moment, alone, at that moment, scared, and at that moment, in need of someone to come alongside of him. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul gives some instructions. He gives some instructions that, that I have to be honest with you, they're not specific to, to orphans. They're not specific to the exact topic we're talking about, but they definitely do apply to what we're talking about today. And in these, he gives us some instructions on how we can handle, how we can, in the dark world that we live in, in the, the darkness of what we're talking about today, how we can respond to that. And so follow along with me, verses 14 through 17 in what Paul says here. He says this, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil, and therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. From this text, I think we can see 
some things that, that, that God wants us to do, how he wants us to respond when it comes to the plight of the orphan, the plight of, of the, the vulnerable children in our world, in our community, even in our, in our city. First of all, I think we have to open up our head. We have to open up our head. We have to open up our mind because we must know what we're dealing with. We have to wake up, he says. He uses two words here in the Greek. He uses wake up and he uses arise. And in those two words, they both mean the same thing. They mean to stand up. One is calling us to stand up and to awake from sleep. The other is calling us to arise from death. But they both mean the same. And just like today on Orphan Sunday, Stand Sunday, we're saying we stand with the rest of the world and we say we want to do our part to help those that are in need. He also says, don't be foolish. I don't want you to be ignorant. So you see, we have to open up our head. We have to have knowledge. So I'm going to give you some statistics, and I just want you to know that over these next few moments, and I'm going to go a little bit slower here just because I want you to absorb them, but I want you to know this isn't a fun part of this talk. But I think we have to understand, we have to open up our minds to see what's going on in our world. And So first of all, understand this in the world that there are an estimated 153 million children worldwide who are orphans. 153 million children. In the world's poorest countries, around one out of four children are engaged in child labor. 25% of those children engaged in child labor. An estimated 61 million primary school-aged children are not in school, and 53% of those are, are girls. There are 69 million children worldwide who suffer from malnutrition, 69 million without food. And in 2017 alone, 15,000 children under the age of five died every day. That's one every 17 seconds. That's the story in the world, but what about the U.S.? Is it any better? On any given day, almost 424,000 children are living in the U.S. foster care system, and that number is rising every day, 424,000 children. Over 122,000 of these children are eligible for adoption, and they will wait on average four years to find a family. More than 69,000 youth in the U.S. foster care system live in institutions, group homes, and other environments instead of with a family. Each year, more than 20,000 children will age out of the foster care system, leaving these young adults without any form of support and exposing them to higher risk for health issues, homelessness, and lack of education. 20,000 every year. And after reaching age 18, 20% of children who are in the foster care, 20% at 18 who age out will find themselves instantly homeless. Only one out of every two foster kids, 50% who age out of the system, will have some form of gainful employment by the age of 24. One out of two. What about Oklahoma? Surely Oklahoma's better, right? In Oklahoma, there are currently 7,219 children in the Oklahoma DHS custody. And there are currently 492, almost 500 children who are waiting to be adopted. There is currently a need for 805 families in Oklahoma to take a foster child. 
What about our county? Let's, let's bring it in close. What about our county? As we're opening up our minds, open up our heads to the, to the epidemic we're dealing with, what do we have? In, in Cleveland County alone, there are 343 children in DHS custody. And there are currently 22 children in Cleveland County waiting to be adopted. Here's what I hear in those stats. 22 children, we can, we can do that, right? We can handle something like that. The church can. You see, the church must become aware of the plight of the epidemic that we're dealing with, that, that we're looking at these, these orphans. We have to open up our head and see what's going on in our world and in our country and in our state and even in our county. These, these orphans and these at-risk youth, the church is not called to turn a blind eye to the disturbing plight of our world's children. And if today you came in and said, I don't want to know that, I don't want to open up my head, here's kind of an interesting thing about this, this point that we're making. You no longer have that excuse. Your eyes have been opened. Your head has been opened to the fact. You have the knowledge now of what's going on in our world. But see, I don't think our text here tells us just to open up our heads, to awake, to arise. I also think our text tells us to open up our hearts. To open up our hearts, to begin to understand what the heart of God is for, for orphans, for vulnerable children, for people who are in need. God has a heart for these people. And so we have to have that same heart. So we have to open up our heart to understand his heart, to understand what God thinks so that we can think that as well and so that we can understand that as well. When it comes to the topic of orphans and children in need, what does God think? What is his heart? So we go back to our Ephesians 5 passage. Paul tells us not to be ignorant, not to be foolish. Not, that word means not to be ignorant of things, but to understand what God's will is. To understand what his will is. What is his desire? What is his purpose? What is his heart? Now again, Paul is talking here. I, I, I want to make this clear. I know that he's not specifically talking about orphans here, but he's talking about, in general, we need to understand God's will in his heart on any given topic. And as today we're focusing in on orphans, what is God's heart for the orphan? There are lots of scriptures that deal with this. We're just going to look at a few. The first one is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. The writer says this, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. We just heard last week, and we reiterated again, God is for people, therefore we need to be for people. God is for the widow. God is for the foreigner who is residing among you, and God is for the orphan. Yes, he's for all those things. Today we focus on the one, for the orphan. God is for them, and it says to bring food to them. Now, I sit and I think about that, and I'm like, okay, how's God going to get food to them? Now, I, I recognize that the ground produces food, so God is obviously giving us that. He brings the rain, and he gives us that if we're going out and doing that. But I don't know about you and me, but I haven't you know, grown crops in a long time. You know, I, I go down to the store and I get food and most of our vulnerable children don't have the ability to go and to do that. So how is God getting food to these people? He's doing it through you and me. 
He's saying, I want you to go and to take that. I want you to meet the need of that person that's in need, of that child that's in need. I want you to provide basic needs like food and clothing. I want you as an individual, you as a church, you as a representative of God to say, we are for them. And if we're for them, I'm not going to just say that. I don't think we said this last week, but I think it's important to understand. Saying you're for someone and actually being for someone is to- two totally different things. Because saying you're for them sounds good, but unless we're willing to actually be for them and actually actively do the things that God wants us to do for them, are we really for them? God gives food and clothing to them through us. That's the heart of God. Deuteronomy chapter 14, it goes on and it says, he says more about this. He says, at the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns. I know what you're saying. Oh, no, it's an offering sermon. No, it's not. Just listen. Hear it out. Bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Here it is again. Exactly what I'm saying is that God wants them to have this stuff, and how is he going to provide it? He's going to provide it when you bring it, and, and, and you may bring it, you may take it directly to them. But when you take a portion, a tithe would have been 10%, when you're willing to say, I'm going to live on less than I make because I'm going to take some of what I have because my heart is for the things that God's heart is for, and I want to help these people, and so I'm going to come and I'm going to bring what I have so that it can be used to help the fatherless. That is the heart of God. And if that's the heart of God, it has to be my heart as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I don't have time to to really break this all down, but it's a great passage where basically what he says is when you're generous, God will increase your seed. God will increase your ability to plant. He will increase your ability to give more. And so as he gives you more, the more generous you are, the more seed he gives you so that you can plant more, so that you can harvest more, so that you can give more. You see, God's not concerned about making you rich. That doesn't mean it's wrong if you are. What it means is that he's concerned about using, he gives you, he blesses you because you're generous so that you can be more generous. That's the heart of God. And when we look at these orphans, these fatherless, these people that don't have a basic thing like what you and I have, a family, how much more should our hearts be broken to say, I want to give what I have so that they can have God in their life, so that they can have basic needs and can feel the love of their father. Then we look at Psalms. David has an opinion on this too. Well, it's not his opinion. He's revealing, again, the heart of God. Psalm 68 Verses four through six, he says this. Sing to God, sing in praise to his, of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Let me, let me touch on this first. God is the father of the fatherless. 
You see, when they have no father, God is the one who steps in. And I recognize that there's a lot of people who either have a bad relationship with their father or because their father wasn't there have a really hard time grasping this idea that God can somehow be a good father because they don't know what a good father looks like. But hear me, God is the one who's been there in the absence of an earthly father. Many or most of you know that my father passed away when I was 11. I grew up and I didn't, I, no one taught me how to tie a lure on a fishing line. No, no one taught me how to talk to girls. No one even taught me how to father a son or a daughter. And, and, and there's so many children, there's so many boys and girls who are growing up today that don't have that, that person speaking into their life and that person that's telling them how to do life. But one thing I had was I had a mom who made sure I knew that in the absence of my earthly father, there was a God who was good. There was a God who came in and stepped in and took the place that was left void by my dad's passing. And that's what David's saying here, that God is the father to the fathers. His heart is for the orphan. His heart is for those who don't have a father. He ultimately wants to be that father. And then this phrase in here, I love it. He says, God sets the lonely in families. It can also be interpreted, or the desolate in a homeland. Here's what I hear. God desires that we have family. He desires that we have a place that we can call home, a place that that we can relax, a place that, that... that feels safe and secure. And of all those numbers I gave you earlier in the world, in the U.S., in Oklahoma, in Cleveland County, those children live with, without that security, without that family, without that home. But God, if you open up your heart to what God wants, you will see that what he wants is for us to have family, for these children to have a home. This, this is God's heart for the fatherless. He is for them, and so we need to be for them. He wants them to be provided for by us. He wants to be their father in the absence of the earthly father, and he wants them to have a family and a home. So, so you open up your head. You have the knowledge of what's going on, of the darkness of this epidemic of, 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 of orphans and vulnerable children. You begin to open up your heart, and you begin to see what God's heart is for those people. And lastly, I'm asking you, I'm challenging you to open up your home, to open up your home. See, we have to know how to respond. Back in Ephesians 5, Paul says this, Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. He's calling us to action. He's saying you need to do something, to walk in a wise way, to see every moment as an opportunity to do something. Several years ago, Charlotte and I built a home in Newcastle, and we felt very lucky and blessed to have the home that we had. And we told God that we would use it for your glory. God, if you let us do this, we'll use it for your glory. Now, I don't know about you, but you got to be careful when you tell God that because he'll take you up on it. 
Almost immediately, we housed four children for a couple of weeks because their father had a stroke. Not very long later, I had a friend from my hometown, Joplin, Missouri, who couldn't find a job in Joplin. And so, so he called and found a job here and lived with us for nine months. I don't know about you, but it's challenging for you and your wife and your kids to have house guests for that long. And then I got that call. I got that call from my cousin in Stillwater about Oscar, the Nigerian student. And, and I'll never forget the first weekend. I went over and met him when he moved into his apartment up on 89th Street. But I went and met Oscar. And so I drove home, and Charlotte's like, well, where's Oscar? And I said, well, he's in his apartment. I just met him, introduced himself, said we'd pick him up Sunday for church. And my wife's a lot better at looking at the weather than I am. And she said, have you seen the weather for the weekend? And I said, no. And long story short, it was one of the worst snowstorms was coming and we had. It was on the ground for several weeks. And, and, it was, and so she said, let's get in the car. And so if you know my wife, this will not sound, be a surprise to you. We got in the car and we drove over there. And, and she, first time my wife met Oscar, <laughs> she walked in with a suitcase and she handed it to him and she said, pack some clothes, you're coming to our house. And I'm kind of looking at her like, what in the world are you talking about? And he, he's definitely, I mean, he's scared, he's alone, he, doesn't, he just met this woman, and he's like, you're crazy, and put some clothes in. And so we get to know Oscar for the first time, really, in a, on a drive to our house, and he stayed with us for several weeks. He'd never seen snow. He's from Nigeria. He, he, it was a joy to have him around us. We walked with Oscar in our life for over a year. More or less, he lived in our house for over a year. We, we took him to doctor's appointments. We walked through trying to get his visa or at least his passport updated so he could go home whenever he started having some mental issues. And Oscar became part of our family. To this day, we still get phone calls from Oscar. And I, and I recognize, listen to me, I recognize that, that Oscar's not your typical orphan. But what I'm challenging you is, is that all around you, whether it be a child in the foster care system, which we are emphasizing today, and I don't want to take away from that, but that God might be calling you to open up your home or to do something that's going to, to help someone in need. James 1.27 sums it all up, doesn't it, about God's heart and us needing to do something. He says, religion that God accepts as pure and without fault is this, caring for orphans or widows who need help and keeping yourself free from the world's evil influence. Listen to this, church. Our religion, our faith is full of fault. It is tainted. It is impure. And it is defiled. If we go around saying that we love and worship God, but we turn our backs on the orphan and the widow or that we're influenced by the world and just live in our, own, in our own home, in our own world. Now, let's be honest. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, Nathan. Open my home? I recognize that your home is your safe, personal, intimate, private place, right? That, that is your place. That is the place you get to go away from the world, right? That is the place that it's your getaway. You don't have to be on for anybody. You, you, you can just do what you want. You can dress how you want. You can do whatever you want in your home and just relax and you can be comfortable. Why in the world 
would I be asking you to open up? Why would God ask you to open up your home to a foster kid, even if it's just a temporary stay, like respite care? Why? Is that really what God is asking? Listen to Isaiah 58. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Church, we have no excuses. We don't get to not respond. We have to do something. But does that mean everyone in this room is called to foster or adopt? Absolutely not. But every person in this room is called to do something. You have a response card. And and that card is going to be your ability to say, here's what I want to do. And later on, you're going to get instructions on what those, each of those mean, but I just want to pause right now and say, I want you to begin to pray. Begin to pray for how God wants you to respond. Listen, hear me, church. The last thing I want to do is make you feel guilty and cause you to respond in a way that God is not calling you. Everyone's response might be different because we must respond to the individual call from God. There are so many different ways that we can help in this epidemic of the orphan. But we have to do something. We have to respond at some level. And I'm not going to back down from challenging you to open up your head and understand what's going on. I'm not going to challenge you and back, and back down from telling you to open up your heart and understand what God's heart is and what God wants from you. And I'm not going to back down and say, open up your home, which, which may literally mean opening up your home, but it may just be symbolic for saying, do something. Do something. Get out of your comfort zone and do something that's going to help this. God wants the church, you and me, to bridge the gap between orphans and the heart of God. Let me say that again. God wants you and me, the church, to bridge the gap between the plight of orphans and the heart of God. He wants us to be the one that comes and brings that together. And if he is not calling you to foster or adopt and you choose to do it, listen to me, it will destroy you. If you choose to do something, if you, out of guilt or out of, okay, Nathan, man, you convinced me today, but God's not calling you to do it, it will destroy you. So I'm not calling you to do something God's not calling you to do. But I know that there is someone out there, there is someone that's listening to this right now that God is calling to make that step to begin asking questions and decide what it looks like to foster and maybe even adopt. And if God is calling you, if he absolutely is calling you to do it and you choose not to do it, that will destroy you as well. So, what will you do? What's your response? You have to do something. Father God, Help us. Help us to understand what's going on. Help us to understand your heart. Help us to be willing to respond and do something. Thank you, God, that in our, in the times that we have not stepped up and stood up and done what we were supposed to do, that you have been the father to the fatherless. 
Help us now join you in that, in that venture. It's in your name we pray. Amen.